This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So as the weather warms up, we're outside gardening or doing yard work. There are so many opportunities for skin issues, right? And for me, it's always a mystery to know what's going to irritate my skin, but I'm definitely out there itching and scratching. But the good news is active skin repair always seems to save the day. Active skin repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, making it suitable for use on all skin types, all parts of the body, and even on rosacea, eczema, and acne-prone skin. Here's what I want you to do. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and get 20% off your order when you use code JOYFUL. Again, that's www.ActiveSkinRepair.com. Find out more about the product and get 20% off your order when you use the code JOYFUL. Welcome back to the Zero to Five Mini Summit hosted by the Joyful Courage Podcast. I'm your host, Casey O'Rourke, and I am here with my friend and fellow positive discipline trainer and coach, Julietta Skoog. Our last conversation, we dug deep into development that is happening in those early years. And today, we are going to discuss some of the challenges that come up in the Joyful Courage community through the lens of development, right? So hi, Jules. Welcome back. Hi. Thanks for having me yeah. back. Your listeners have the best questions, by the way. Can I just say that? They're, <laughs> they get real so, excited. So excited. They get real excited yeah. when I say, okay, this is what I'm going to do. What are your questions? I have a lot to choose from. So let's get into it. Fantastic. Yeah. Let's do it. So Mama Jennifer asked about sibling rivalry. Um, two kids or more, you know, some of the people that I work with have more than two under five and it can get messy. Mm. So what do you think are some of the assumptions that parents are making about the skills that their young children should have and how can they tweak things to bring maybe the conflict that they're seeing in their home to a dull roar? What do you think about that? I think this can be such a trigger for parents. It's so, um, it's, it brings up so many things with our own issues around conflict, our own issues around siblings. And I think sometimes the assumptions that I hear are, are go on two ends. One is that they just assume they should be able to, to be nice to each other. They assume that they have the communication skills naturally and the vocabulary to sort it out. Mm -hmm. They assume that they have the impulse um, regulation, the we call it inhibition, so being able to hold oneself back. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think they assume that if they leave them alone, they'll they'll be safe with each other, Mm -hmm. all those kinds of things. But I think, and then I think on the other end, some some parents assume they're not capable of sorting out. Um, conflict or coming to a resolution or solution or that they're not capable or too young to, um, to be able to manage sibling conflict. So, and there's a difference between sibling rivalry and sibling conflict. And in my mind, sibling conflict is normal. It is a part of, 
uh, human interaction. It's just a part of social development for all human beings. Mm -hmm. And the rivalry really comes out of um, a a poor um, response to conflict. So not having the, the skills and having repetitive experiences through conflict that then create a rivalry between two so siblings. would you say the rivalry so going with that like there's a mm-hmm. belief that a belief that develops over time around I have to beat them not beat like physically but like I have to be better I have to be right or the competition yeah the competition well, piece so shows up mm-hmm. or I think yes and there's the piece that I am not capable to solve it I am always the victim mm-hmm. and I'm getting reinforced to be always the victim and so then the other sibling that says oh see she always you know mom's always um siding with her consciously or, or unconsciously right? right she always gets her way I'm always the one in trouble I'm always the bad one and so the rivalry piece almost puts us in those roles mm-hmm. you know I'm the good kid I'm the bad kid I'm the smart kid I'm the athletic kid right um and so then the rivalry then p- creates this competition because I've got to reinforce the role that I've been given in the play Right. And it makes sense that they would bump up against that, right? Especially like yesterday we were talking about development and Mm -hmm. young kids being in the practice of autonomy, Mm -hmm. of taking initiative. It's hard for the adults in the room to remember how to navigate that. But then when it's a sibling, somebody else who's doing their own navigating of initiative, then it can get really messy. makes perfect sense. Exactly. And that's the piece. It's like, you know, we want them to be assertive. We want them to, to have control and to have this autonomy and they're wired in this way. And then when it's playing out, um, in a way that's not really socially acceptable, then, then we just want it to stop. Right. And so, so I think the, the, the piece that we can offer that I can offer to parents just because I do it as a, as a job, um, in my role in my school and also with my own kids is to, um, create a more of a coaching environment mm-hmm. in my role. So as a parent, I'm not about just necessarily stopping it unless it is physical. We never want kids to be hurt. We never want to imply that they can just continue to beat each other up and be physically hurtful. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about supervising enough that when you see conflict starting to brew and before it's gotten physical, that you can go into a coaching model and say, it looks like you both want that. Right. Hold, you know, even for the kids that are pre-verbal, you, you, scoop them onto your lap and you hold out their hand and you say, can I take a turn? When can I take a turn? You really give them the language and the vocabulary mm-hmm. and the phrases Love it. to use. And then you're putting them in the same boat. And so I even, you know, remember when I had a three-year-old and a three and a half-year-old and a six-month-old, the six-month-old was just, start, maybe she was a little bit older, crawling around and starting to grab things. And my, you know, my preschool would get so frustrated. And I said, tell your sister how you feel. Mm-hmm. And she kind of looked at me like, what, you know, but yeah, you, cause she's still learning, but I held, I said, say, say, you know, it makes me sad when you keep taking my, uh, toy, you know, please ask me before you take it out of my hand. And so even though Chris sees this baby crawling around and understands nothing, but just that empowered feeling, like I can tell you how I feel. I can ask for what I want. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I love that. I used to say, um, don't forget to leave him with a little bit of hope <laughs> because my son oh. would want to play with my daughter and she was not having it. And so she just, you know, her immediate response was like, no, get out. And I'd say, mm-hmm. you know, and we'd, we'd practice language around like how to let him know, not right now, but in a little while, 
I will play with you. And he was so much more Mm -hmm. willing to go find something else to do when she left him with a little bit of hope. Right. And, and that you're coaching them on things they can do. So you're not just saying this problem needs to go away. You're not saying, you're saying, Hey, if you do this, that this might, this might be help you next time. You know, even simple, like teaching them how to figure out who gets to go first in a game, like teaching them how to play rock, paper, scissors, teaching them how to put in your Dukes and, figure, you know, go eeny, meeny, miny, mo or bubble gum, bubble gum in a dish, like all these little things that help them or how to flip a coin mm-hmm. or how to set a timer for each other, you know, any of those little skills. So I think there's this assumption that that just kind of comes naturally, but the kids need to be taught. Yeah. I love that. Um, some sportsmanship too. And like taught how to, how to play together in a way that feels fair because that's the piece with siblings is that it just doesn't feel fair right. often, you know? So, um, so I think there's an assumption that we just need to like separate them or they're not capable, but, um, but really holding that space for them and being the coach and being a neutral as much as we think we know who started it or who always quote unquote starts Mm -hmm. it, there is such subtle back and forth and you know, it always takes two. So, you know, sometimes they'll, they'll say, well, what are you talking about? My seven month old didn't start anything. Well, developmentally in your two or three year old's mind, they did. Right. They're perceiving them as coming into their space and taking something or, um, or whatever, like they've created in their mind. It's real for them that it's two-sided. Right. I think that we get into mischief when we adults think that a two or a three-year-old should be able to think, oh, well, they're just a baby. Exactly. So you hear that all the time. Don't, he's just a baby. Let him go. And so that is reinforcing the message that the baby is helpless, that you, if you want some, if you want to get away with things, just act like a baby. Right. That just only reinforces the older one to act like a baby, or that the or to to reinforce that the younger sibling. I'm using air quotes, even though you can't see me. <laughs> the younger one will then always be the baby. Right. 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 Suddenly, seven month old is seventeen months, and what you, I mean that's what reinforces right. those birth order things too. Right. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, this the sibling stuff is so juicy. We I know. Talk about we it should do a whole show. Let's do a whole show on siblings. Um, this one comes from mama Eva. So she was talking about learning how something that would be helpful to her would be to learn how to get our toddler to listen to us when we tell him no hitting, biting, jumping on his sister, us, or the cats. He doesn't take us seriously or listen no matter how we approach it. And we just can't figure out what makes him tick. What are your thoughts here? And I have some thoughts too. I was just going to say, are you cracking up that the, yeah. we can't get them to listen to us when we say no hitting, no biting, yeah, yeah. no jumping? Because of course, when we tell them what not to do, then that's exactly what they're going to yeah, do. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, right. I mean, like, you know, the big piece here, and I'm sure Eva has done this already as well, um, is just the, the telling them what to do as opposed to what they can't do. So that is always our mantra, what, um, you know, teach them mm-hmm. what to do. So, but I think the other piece of her, of her question is what makes him tick? Like, why is he not responding with the teaching piece? And I think that's where the developmental assumption is that we only need to teach it, you know, a few times, or even in our mind, if we think it's a hundred. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Thank God, spring into summer is my favorite time of year. After turning 50 last September, I've been really working on my physical health and well being and can honestly say that I am feeling better in my body than I have felt 
in a very long time. Yes, credit goes to movement and working out, but even more credit goes to how I'm feeding my body. That's why I love Factor. I fuel up with Factor's no prep, no mess meals, 35 different meal choices, and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. I always have a new flavor to explore. It's amazing. You can crush your wellness goals this May, keep time in the kitchen to a minimum, and enjoy effortless support for the lifestyle you want to be living with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust from Factor. Head over to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use the code joyful50 to get 50% off your first First box plus 20% off your next month. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50. Again, that's 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Yes, yes, yes. Join me. Join me in the health revolution and feel really good this summer. Hey friends, as a podcast listener myself, I always get so excited to share when I find a new show that I think is super useful. So today I want to tell you about Understood Explains. This is a podcast that tackles one important topic per season. And this season is all about navigating individualized education plans and is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube. Getting the support our kids need in school can feel tricky, and we aren't always sure what it is that they need. When I listened to the episode titled, Does My Child Need an IEP? It offered up so much useful information that I could really see supporting parents who are in this consideration. The host is so knowledgeable and really breaks down the content in a way that helps listener go from completely overwhelmed to actually starting to feel empowered. Other episodes in the series highlight the difference between IEPs and 504 plans, as well as a whole episode that busts common myths about special education. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Understood Explains. So check it out. You won't be sorry. Yep. A hundred more, yeah, you know, that- and that's where it's that consistency piece. Like every single time he hits that you are consistently putting, you know, getting in between and saying gentle hands mm-hmm. in our house. We have gentle hands always. Mm-hmm. It's never okay. So every single time, mm-hmm. um, you know, if he's jumping on this for the cats, you know, so we use the phrase safe body. We use the phrase calm body. Mm-hmm. We use, um, gentle hands. Um, and so, and that, that is mantra. So whatever, fits for your family, but that it's, it's repetitive every single time. Right. The Um, word that you used yesterday that I keep thinking about is relentless. (laughs) Yes. Yep, exactly. And so I think that what makes him tick is that he's got a big drive. He's Mm -hmm. got a real, he's waiting for that one time, um, that you, that he can do that. Um, and so, and then the other thing that just comes to mind without knowing, you know, too much more of the context is that, we are taking away a lot of tools. We're taking away hitting, we're taking away biting. Right. Okay. But what tools are you then giving them? Right. What, what can he do instead? So it's just not enough, you know, to say no biting or, or no hitting, mm-hmm. you know, what else can be done? So really digging deeper into when those times are happening. 
um, with whom, what, you know, having sort of a deeper analysis around what other tools he might need, what skills are missing to teach. And then again, it's just teaching into that. What can he do instead? Yeah. What are other options? What are other options? Yeah. I love that. It reminds me that, um, it reminds me of that great activity that we saw yes, with, exactly. Yeah. That's what it just came to mind too. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Does everybody want to know what that activity is now that we mentioned it? So Casey and I love to read each other's minds and then finish each other's sentences, and it's really fun for other people that are with us. So apologies all around. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that that's so powerful. That whole idea of taking away we take away tools, right? We don't see mm-hmm. that their mischief is actually a way that they are using to navigate their world and so when we and say it's no wor- you can't and it's working, and it's working for them for that's them. It, that's all that they know that's working for them so give them something else that's going to work yeah. better and if you don't know as a grown-up who has an integrated brain how is your three-year-old supposed to right and i love you know what you said like deeper analysis i just say look for patterns like when does it show yes. up most often when do you notice that those are the tools that he's using right so that you're prepared because good news it'll happen again exactly and you'll get to respond differently Yes. The only other piece that I would say is that often, and again, because we're in the trenches with this, um, that the only time that we're doing that teaching is right in that moment. So just really saying, okay, this is something I want to work on. Like hitting, I'm, I want to really stop, you know, stop this hitting. So mm-hmm. taking time when he's not hitting and really, and like, sometimes we think we're worried if we talk about it or we bring it up, then it's only going to reinforce that. But no, find those times when he is having a super calm body and reinforce that positively and say, this is exactly how we're supposed to be. Let's practice some more and let's get out our stuffies and play with yeah, them and show me how they're having their calm body. So remember to do it when it's not just in the moment, um, but just to reinforce. And that builds, I mean, that's part of that executive functioning of goal setting. Yeah. Hey, we're all practicing here. We're working on having safe bodies. We're practicing having gentle hands. That's a goal we're working on. Love that. All right. I have another one. So Heidi wants to know about lying. Ah. Lying versus when it's- Those those, those liars. (laughs) Con artists in the making, prison sentences for life, probably. Um, So lying versus when it can be okay to tell stories and use imagination. I think this is- yeah. This is so real in the under five crowd, right? Once they figure it out is. that they can just weave tales mm-hmm. and how fun it is. And by the way, we do it every night at bedtime. That's right. I, so, I mean, this is their age of imagination and they're telling stories. And so, so my approach, especially with um, my second, who just has a vivid imagination to the point where she actually had this entire crew of imaginary friends, not just one imaginary friend, but she called them her crew. And oh she had a, she had woven these elaborate stories to the point where she started having nightmares. And she came Aww. to me so sad one day and said, I think I have to say goodbye to my crew because <laughs> I, sorry because that I'm laughing. It's, it's isn't it so funny? Cause she's like, because it's gotten too scary. And I said, do you want to, you know, do you want to make up new stories that have them like going out to ice cream? And she's like, Nope, not possible. Like, like she had, she had literally created these monsters, you know? Um, and so she had to say goodbye to her crew and it was all these dragons, you know, and she just had to say goodbye to her crew and then she created a new crew. So, I mean, it is really fascinating. And so I hear, I hear Heidi because you, you want to encourage that. You want to encourage that, that imagination and that creativity and, um, so, okay. So here's how I feel about lying. Yes. You know, when they're lying, right? right? 
you know if they haven't washed their hands, if they're coming out of the bathroom and they haven't washed their hands. And so, or you know if they're they're standing next to the broken dish and they say, it wasn't me, right? right? right. She did it or the cat did it or whatever. So we set them up for lying when you say, did you do that? Or did you wash your hands? Right, right. And we know they didn't. So, or, um, so because then they just have to save face and dig in deeper, you know? Um, so I think with those cases, just name it. Like, just say, I noticed you didn't, you, um, and you know, if they're coming out, like I noticed I, the water wasn't running. Right. And they, what do we do after we, right. what do we do after we use the bathroom? And they go wash their hands and that allows them that piece to save face instead of just being like, you know, nope, I, yes, I already washed them. And you're like, no, you didn't. I know you're lying. Go back in there. Right. You know? And by the like, way, you know it's not okay to lie. Yeah. So it's like that. It's like, just don't let them, don't set them up. Don't tee them up. You know, if you know that they broke it, then say, okay, how are we going to fix it? What do you need? Do you want to go get the broom or do you want to get this first? Do we need to pay it back? You know, do we need to talk about the money to replace it? Anyway, I think so. So first slice that thinner of which one is lying. Mm -hmm. When it comes to the stories and the imagination, sometimes I'll help um, my kiddos by saying it explicitly. So if they're going on the story, I'll say, this is the story from your imagination, right? Or this is part of your, like what I would say to my kiddo, this is part of your crew, right? And or sometimes I'll say, is this real or is this part of your crew? She'll say, oh, it's part of my, in my, and now she says, it's in my world. Mm. In my world, this is the so-and-so and so-and-so that does it. So just asking those little questions helps them pin it down a little bit. Uh-huh. Got it. Is this part of your story? Is this part of your, is this part of your world or part of your, you know, using their language, but then, or did this really happen today? Well, and I think too that lying shows up when we when they've already had the experience of getting into quote trouble. Yeah. And you know, things happen and we ask them about it and we say tell the truth and they know that or they feel like, well, if I tell you what really happened, you're going to be mad at me. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. why, you know, there isn't a 3 or 4 or 2 or 5-year-old on the planet that wants their grown-ups to be mad at them. Well, hey there, Busy Mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not gonna tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that wanna be clutter-free. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? 
And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. That's right. So, and that's the, that's the experience piece. They've had more data point points to support that if they tell the truth, they get in trouble. So they're going to keep going with that pattern. So they're going to need more data points from you to show that when they do tell the truth, then it's going to be responded to in a way that's mutually respectful. So ways that I reinforce that is I say, as I say it explicitly, thank you so much for telling me the truth. That's so important. Right. And then I also say, this is how we build trust with each other. So I start from a very early age using the word trust. Love it. Um, and I say, you know, when we tell the truth, that's how we can trust each other. We trust each other that what you say is what you mean. Yeah. So, um, and then just re the only way to reinforce that is when they actually are doing it. And they do get, they give us lots of chances when they tell the truth, you know? So, so I'm guessing that when I say, well, this is why nobody believes you. It's not. Oh gosh. Have you done this one too? Where you're like, you, the words are coming out of your mouth and you're like, please just stop. Yeah. You sound so clear. What are you talking about? There's the story about the boy that cried oh, wolf. God. And when you, I mean, it's like, and I can hear myself and I'm just like, it's so, it's so terrible. Like, just stop, just stop. Uh, so yeah. I mean, you go into these little mantras that it, and it's not helpful. Yeah, it's not. It's not, even though sometimes it kind of feels good coming out of the mouth, it's not necessarily helpful. Short term. Short term. Okay. So finally, I have have, have our final little uh, request from the community. Justine chimed in with um, the, it's not fair-itis. That's what she wrote. Mm. It's not Mm fair-itis. And ways, you know, and wondering like, what are some ways to get closer to self-management? Which I think those are, well, those are two different things. So. The first first piece around that, it's not fair, right? I mean, it, why is mm-hmm. that fingernails on the chalkboard to all of us? I know. <laughs> I mean, I think there's two pieces. One is that it's it, it's a tr- it's a it loops us in. It gets us like like we've got this part of it. And I think when we can separate ourselves and build that compassion and empathy, um, that it's not about us. They're saying it's not fair we think they're saying you are not fair. And so I think just honoring, sometimes it's not fair just right. saying, yeah, you feel, you feel that way. That must feel really unfair to you. Right. Um, can be so powerful for kids, like just your acknowledgement and your validation of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do, so sometimes even like with the sibling stuff, when they come to me, I'm like, wow, that must, that feels unfair to you. Yeah. And just that statement is like, oh yes, it is. And here's why. And then I'm like, what's your plan? What are you going to try? What have you tried? Right. Um, do you need help with that? So there's that part about just like, maybe think, maybe validate it. Right. Is it? Yeah. So sometimes life just isn't so, fair. That's not how we respond. So, yeah, so, so it, that's not how we respond. So, but I think like really acknowledging, just getting, again, getting into their world yeah. of like, maybe it's not. And just validating that you don't have to fix it. You don't have to make it fair, but just that feels unfair to yeah. you. You know, the other piece that I use instead of, because you can't make things fair is, um, I say, everybody, everybody gets what they need to be successful. That. And that doesn't mean that we all get the same thing. Yeah. Love it. So, um, for example, one of my kids in their routine gets a bedtime snack and one doesn't, 
And that must sound insane. Mm-hmm. Like, are you kidding? That's so unfair. But one needs it and one doesn't. Right. And we've had a whole, we've had practice around that and listening to your bellies and one that takes medicine and one that doesn't. So she needs the snack to go with the medicine. And, you know, so just even that piece of like, we just, we get what we need to be successful. It doesn't mean that we all get the same things in exactly the same way. Love that. Love that. And then ways to get closer to (laughs) self-management. I think practice and routines and constantly raising the ceiling. So every time you think they can't do that, yes, they can. They can help unload the dishwasher. They can help with laundry. They can, um, you know, I think there's a little bit of a trust piece, a trust Mm -hmm. fall, where if you want them to get closer to self-management, then back off. Let go. Like, then let them manage themselves. Like, you know, create a routine, ask ask questions versus telling, and just let them do it. Um, I think there's real power in in each kiddo having their own routine, Mm -hmm. So really saying what's next in your routine, that's what's next in ours, yeah, but yours personally, you know, what do you do after, um, you get out of the bath? What do you do? What's your plan for right. really giving them this like, Oh, what's your, what project are you working on right now? Juliet, I wish you were my mom. Oh, likewise, <laughs> Casey. <laughs> Man, oh, we would have so much fun. I know. I really appreciate you um, offer, again offering this to your listeners because it, I, I feel so passionate. It's, it's um, obvious. You're my favorite person oh, to talk about this early childhood stuff. So oh, thank you again. I love Super it. Super rich conversation. Listeners, stay tuned because tomorrow is the final day of the Sabbath and Julietta will be back again talking about what I think is one of the most important considerations we should be making as parents of young children. Thank you so much, Jules. Thank you, Casey. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Guilt Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows.